What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerweiner anymore. Yeah, well, fuck no longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No, we just, we... He's sitting right here in front of us <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this time. No wonder there's no bread and milk on my table fuck in this house. After we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck him. We were just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client. We'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been out paid he the hasn't bill. Been paying us. the bed. He's doing it right now, so we, <laughs> we may as well tell people if they're in Australia and you need dog gear. Don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. There you go. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right, on to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine suticles. Yep. The best canine suticles. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yeah. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. What were we pushing for him? It's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara de Groot. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us. And we she love just Barbara. loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We Thank appreciate you. Thank you, We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. yeah. The box is incredible. I saw it for the. Did we talk about this? Have we done an we ad have. since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I traveled from. Where did you pick us up? What, what airport? That was, was that? Uh, in Colorado. Colorado. We drove he showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking, this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally. He does it. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. Dog Club, Dog Club Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's got there. It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork. Yeah, and it stuff looks good. There. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. It's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have too. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and away <laughs> we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people. Yeah. Gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. yep. So if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, Check it out. Tell so they the do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. Tell so the thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> don't do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you bullfed. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes. But we do have to limit how many people we have. And so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser. And that you align with our ethos as well. Of course. That's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's, look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing Has it. Has that gone through yet? No, because still trying. Has got shit <laughs> Dan Croft, puppy classes, yep. cool facility, Barber de Groot. Amazing sugar mama, love her, from the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Daniel Tropiano, Tropino. Tro- dog clubs. Troppy <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> dog clubs in Australia. <laughs> yeah. And new to the family, tailored canines. Yeah. All the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah. Mo- do. Mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done. Well played. Thank you, sirs and madam. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the canine paradigm, I'm not your host, I'm just a rambling AI voice, as Glenn was too lazy to record a new intro. But I am here to introduce your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart, in round two of Psychology Assisted by Canines with Samantha King. This round is getting a little salty so hang on to your lederhosen as we tear down the fabric of time and space, and discuss some topics with Samantha that are just another round of insanity infiltrating our industry. So here we go from exactly where we left off in part one. Is that in the training of the dog or even in the management of the dog in an emergency situation? Like, what, have they gone into that level of detail with that? The whole document is very, don't touch the dog. Right. <laughs> so what's the, the point of having away. the dog there then? Exactly. <laughs> Let exactly. me, Sam, can I circle back to a comment you made before? I know we're sort of trying to get into the nuts and bolts of this statement that's being released, but you made a comment before where you said, we're a very emotional bunch in the dog training community. I'm very curious as to your thoughts, being that you're involved in therapy and you are a therapist and you are a psychologist, why do you think that is? I don't know, but I think it could be a representation of our own relationship with our own dogs because mm. of this human-animal bond stuff. So in a therapy session, I'm utilising human-animal bond to make observations as well about the client. So I'll be able to pick up on some attachment stuff and things like that and also social skills and things like that. I think our relationship with the dog on a personal level has got something to do with it. I also think that the hysteria has a lot to answer for. I think people are made to feel guilt and shame for not agreeing to the R plus only way of doing things in the dog industry. I think they are like, we get people that come to us and they've been given, I had it myself, like the first dog training place I went to, I think I have complex from that place. They would say you'd causing the dog stress, you stress the dog out like this, the dog's stress and you'd rock up and it was like very clicky. And like, obviously I wanted to be in the click. So I like there all time and like I'd rock up and they'd be like, Oh, Sunny looks stressed and I'd be like, fuck my life. I've done something to my dog. Like, oh my God, like it was the biggest criticism that they could possibly make of you is like, oh, the dog's stressed. 
I have two best friends that I met at that training place. One is like my best friend. I still talk to every single day. My other's best friend live in Sydney. Both of them were told to euthanize their dogs mm. at that training place. Both of them. <laughs> Not even just one of them. And that's only of the two best friends that I made. Neither of them did. And the dogs were fine. Like what the hell? I feel a lot of dog people don't like humans. So humans are enemy. Whereas like I like dogs and I like humans and horses and sometimes my cat as well. So I don't get it why when someone comes along and like a lot of psychology and therapy stuff has made its way into the dog world, as in especially horse world, horse trainers and stuff, they're talking about psychological concepts and stuff, but they're so mean to the owners. Like they're Mm. so mean to the owners of the dogs. Like, why are you talking to people like that? Like if you genuinely think that these people have got blockages or problems or whatever, why are you talking to them like they're a piece of shit who's doing horrible things to their dog? Like calm down. That's not how you talk to people for starters. And I see that majorly in the R plus community and balance trainers, we're retaliating. So we can't get out of this scot-free. The R plus trainers are triggering all the balance trainers and the balance trainers are getting defensive and fighting back. And I think we need a better plan because I'm triggered constantly by like this whole document. I was like, okay, so I'm an animal abuser. It's super, super offensive to me, to my core of what I stand for, for my dogs. Like I can't describe to people enough. My dogs are my life. So when someone assaults that part of your identity and it makes you feel guilt and shame because I've got healthy boundaries in place with my dogs and I've prepared my dogs appropriately for the type of work that we're going to do together for this vulnerable group of humans that we care about and are trying to, you know, get on a better path to have a more fulfilling life. Why am I now being made to feel like a piece of shit because my dogs can be collar grabbed and have leash pressure applied to them and they understand negative reinforcement, which they have to understand to be able to work safely in these settings and also not be scared and not be overwhelmed by human beings. Because the clients that we see, they're not dog industry people. There's R plus philosophy that's fantasy land I don't care if someone's to train their own dog R plus. I don't care what you do. Like do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy with your dog. But when you think that reality is that, go and take your dog around non-dog industry people because the general public is like kids are still riding on dogs. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> you probably do if he's doing pet dog stuff. Did you know that kids still ride dogs? I see it on Instagram <laughs> on, on a regular basis where the parent of the child is filming their kid doing this yeah. obnoxious and abhorrent behaviour. Yeah, it's Go- ridiculous. And those kids are the kids that are coming around my dogs. So they don't understand that you shouldn't ride on the dog. So they try and do stuff like that. And we have to gently be like, oh, okay, so Mama doesn't really know what that is. So let's redirect and go over here and do something different now. The problem for a lot of people is I don't think they ever understand the true concept of what duty of care is. As an example of that, going back to social media, I was watching a clip, which I still find hilarious to this day, of a giraffe literally consuming a child's head, 
while the parent is there filming the whole event, like watching it. And I could see this was going to happen. The giraffe started licking the child's head. You can see what's going to happen next. Like it's inevitable for that to happen. The own parent of the child and then by the time the giraffe did what it was going to do, which is literally grab them by the head, then they've decided to put the phone down and do something about it. And I think, well, that's just great entertainment for everybody. But when this happens in the dog world, it's an absolute shit show. You're right. Kids are still pulling dogs by the testicles. Kids are still sticking their finger in dogs' asses. And, again, Mm -hmm. it makes great social media content and people are are getting off on it all around the world. Those sort of clips have got hundreds of thousands of of likes and comments on them. You know, like you can put up some educational pieces and 100 people will look at it and go, cool beans, but you have a little toddler sticking his finger up a pug's ass. That makes it round the world 50 times. Like it's incredible to see the leverage that that will actually have. Yeah, but this is like the thing. So the general public, they're not dog industry people. So they're not seeing all this content that we are getting flooded with all the time because of our algorithms. Like they're seeing that funny stuff. Their kids are doing that stuff with their dogs at home. So then when you have their kids around your dogs, if they're your pet dogs, you can be like, get off the dog. Don't touch the dog. I'm getting the dog out of here. I'm removing the dog. You know, that's something. In a clinical space, that's not how we can handle that because the whole point is that it's human-animal bond. Don't get me wrong. They like So kids always want to, like, poke their penises and stuff on the dogs. <laughs> we don't just allow stuff. Yeah. But I have to ask that dog to tolerate what is happening until I can intervene and redirect in a clinically appropriate way that's going to maintain the relationship that I've got with this child or this parent or something, like I'll be saying, you know, like obviously I'm not going to let anything dangerous happen, but, yeah, there's pressure put on the dogs by these kids. They don't know because they do that and there would be a parent sitting right there and they're like, oh, our dog at home so is good. They just let them do whatever. With Oh, that's okay. These dogs just aren't used to it, so we just sit beside them. And truly then having your dog able to withstand a few seconds of that gives you the learning opportunity to then coach the child through what is and is not appropriate. Like it's a learning moment for everyone, but the dog has to have pre-learned it. It was very interesting what you just said before about, it made me think of resilience, you know, like Mm -hmm. any stress is immediately seen as, uh, has to be avoided. The total avoidance of stress, even Mm. if taking the life of the thing will avoid stress because I've read articles, it's crazy and like, You know, I don't think I could be talked into it, but I can certainly see how a person could be talked into that there is no discomfort in death, right? Like if you go out in a particular way, you're totally unaware of it. And if you're an atheist or whatever, and you think that dead is the end, then there is no discomfort in death. And if you're going to live a slightly uncomfortable life, a death that is completely separate of discomfort is in many people's opinion, a kinder thing to do. Now, I don't hold that opinion, but I can see how many people can come around to being talked into holding that opinion. You know, I'm something of a stoic. I believe the obstacle is the way. Like like I think that the whole point of life is to be uncomfortable all the fucking time. That's why I constantly do dumb shit to myself, right? In the constant pursuit of the relief of the discomfort. But- I think that I can see how people might be talked into that and that's how people end up with the philosophy and the position that results in your two friends being advised to euthanize their dogs just because the dogs are you know, moderately uncomfortable in a particular situation rather than bringing them through that discomfort to the other side. I think what I am you know, somewhat concerned for you and your industry about is the idea that you're not allowed to use any force. They're claiming that 
to be a force free, that all this training mm. and the interaction with the dog must be force free to not be allowed to do that in preparation for an emergency or even during an emergency. So like, as we would know that yeah, it, you're not going to, and this is one of the things that we sort of often hear is like, well, I'm not going to let my dog run into traffic at that point. I'm going to apply force. And like, fair enough. Yes, of course you're going to grab the leash. But if the dog is having, uh, if a child is doing something inappropriate to the dog and the dog's displaying the signs of like, Hey, this is about to get real. At that point, mm. a collar grab that has not been prepared is going to escalate the situation. And I think that's, that's what causes the bite. Yeah, exactly. That's what right? will cause the bite. That is sort of the concern is that their training has to replicate reality. And so you can't just expect that you're going to be able to run a marathon at a whim. You have to build up to that. Was this in a last podcast about training to level two to do level one? Or yeah. Was that on that Tyler Mudo one? No, yeah. that was, yeah, like, we, we discussed that. So like in, in my game in PSA, yeah. we usually – before you could do your level one, you really should think that if everything went perfectly, I could do a level two mm. and then level one will be easy. Right. And yeah. so for sure. And I believe it would be the, the same for you as well. And that you would imagine mm. I want my dog prepared for a kid that's going to lose his fucking mind in here and pull out two samurai swords and start trying to cut yes. the place apart because that's never going to happen. Yeah. But if I'm prepared for that, then everything else below it will be easy. Because if my dog bites this child, it will be euthanized. That's what we're dealing with. Like it's not like your own kid that you can be like, I don't know what happened to the kid. <laughs> I don't know if people do that. <laughs> if there's a serious bite on, like I love these dogs. Like I'm preparing them so that they are never in a scenario where they lose control and they bite someone and that person hunts them down with the council or whatever and is like, regardless of what the kid did to the dog, regardless. The mm. dog's going to be euthanized if it gets a gets a bite on. So for their own safety and my own, like, anxiety, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, we'll just prepare the dogs. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not chasing the dogs around with a baseball bat and hitting with a bat like it's stupid, but within reason, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Like, yeah. there's over my career, there's been a handful of times that I've been like, holy shit. Oh, this kid got fixated on Sonny's Labrador tail. This mm -hmm. kid's level two autism and just real fixated. And his mum's in there and I'm with the dog and he's touching the tail. And I'm going, gentle hands, gentle hands. And he's touching the tail, gentle hands. And then he grabs it and really squeezes it and pulls it. Your initial reaction should be and was grab the head of your dog, mm -hmm. grab the head of that dog, because any dog in that circumstance, we would all go, if it hurt them, yeah, they, a reflex could be to bite. Mm -hmm. You grab that dog by the head. I don't care. He's never bitten anything ever, but I don't care. Today could be the day. Yeah. Today could be the day. And I'm going to prevent that. And then I remove the dog for a moment. This is a nonverbal kid, right? About 11. And he dysregulated and jumped on the couch and stuff. His mum was in there and I just said to him, can't pull Sonny's tail. That will hurt him. So he can't pull Sonny's tail. I think you should say sorry. Bring the dog in. Kid uses like nearly a whole sentence. Right, yeah. And apologises so to the dog. And I'm like, what is happening? The mum's brain explodes. This kid doesn't talk. Mm. Like prepared for the worst, hope for the best, and get those dogs to a place where you can grab them by the head or, you know, something like grab them by the collar and just prevent. I had it, like I was just talking about kids ride on dogs. The reason I know that is because a carer brought in a little sibling, like a little toddler, like a like, yeah, like one-year-old, 
she is like moving around and I had the dog on a drop and then she's like climbing on the dog and I'm like oh so I just like grabbed the dog by the collar and blocked her head and was like I just don't know how she'll be with to the carer I just don't mm. know how she'll be with the kid on the dog so yeah. she's not used to that you know like you know and they're like oh our dog at home and I'm like she's just not used to it so yeah you know, thanks a tricky part of the whole conversation is you are putting the dogs at a level of risk but I think mm-hmm. that it pretty clearly when you're just saying like a, a non-verbal autistic child then apologizes to the dog, like, because mm. you got them through that session. So yes, there's a level of risk associated for the dog, but in the end, you've got the right kind of dog that recovers from that as though it's not an issue at all. And the clinical gains that you can make for the mm. patient, the client, the child is astronomical. And I feel strongly about this. Yes. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you on I've seen it firsthand. I've only been involved in the training of a couple of assistance dogs, but one was with a severely autistic child who prior to getting the dog hadn't actually left the house in nearly two years. And then just the Mm. responsibility of having to take the dog out to go to the toilet was enough to kickstart him now going Mm. to school and flies around with that dog and does all kinds of things. And this went from a kid that couldn't leave the home to a kid that is, you know, he's going to have issues his whole life, but he's integrated into society and it's all because he did it for the dog, not because he wanted to, but because he's obligated to. And, you know, Glenn, you've spoken yourself about times where the only reason you got out of bed was to feed the dogs. And so like Mm. there's, this is a huge part of the role that I think dogs play in society and being able to keep them to assist us in this is part of the reason why we love dogs. It's why we have dogs. I think that like myself, when I first broke my back and spent six weeks at home, that was with a dog in my lap that was literally relieving the pressure Mm. on my spine and was the reason why I wasn't in a ton of pain was because the dog was laying there. Had I not had that, who knows where I would be because of it. And so I think that this is a big role that dogs play for us in our lives and in society. And it behoves us to prepare them for this shit and to adequately Mm -hmm. train them and to select them, train them, prepare them for the ability to do this. Because for many dogs, as you said, you're selecting dogs that enjoy the process. It's then a case of like, okay, cool. I know you're going to like this, but we've got to teach you how to do it properly. And if something goes wrong, I've got to give you the skills to get you out of there. Interesting hearing you talking about this and just this conversation in general. I do remember a conversation that I saw online, which was then later deleted because I feel that the person felt under pressure for saying it. But Mm. somebody made a comment about Pat and Glenn. They were talking about an episode in the podcast and they said, Pat and Glenn constantly talk about how they can't see a way out of not having a world where we need to use some form of force in training. The person who responded said words to the effect of the only reason they do that is because they've got a fixed mindset on the way that they want things done. Mm. And then obviously felt the pressure themselves to remove their comment and weren't brave enough to leave it there for scrutiny. It's an interesting concept that people feel that way, but I don't see, and I have tried to look at it from multiple viewpoints and I have been in consult with many different people and people that I regard as more intelligent than me, and look at things from multiple different layers and levels of malleability and adaptation, if you like. Mm. They too agree but feel that it's grievous to actually put it online. They Mm. just said, if I put it online, the problem is, is that I'm defending myself rigorously for the rest of my life. 
even though I, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and that that's the issue that they have. They say, I agree with what you guys are saying. I've listened to episodes of your podcast. I've heard things where you've put yourself out there and said, where does this all end? Because it is a goddamn slippery slope. Even yeah. today I watched an industry person who is a very hardcore advocate for force free now backflipping on equipment that they were advocating equipment that in the past they were fully advocating now they're backflipping on it and this is the problem where does it end and where is it, the it where is, that's the issue yeah. right where is the end point to it i watch police officers and i hear about people in the military and i hear people like yourself and dog trainers where does this end? Like, I'm just curious to know. I want to mm. know. I truly want to know. And I'm sure that there are other people out there because I don't want this to escalate into violence. I don't want this to be this constant defensive standpoint that we feel that we have to take, that we have to defend this point. When I truly believe that for the ethics and that duty of care that I was talking about before, like, mm-hmm. how do we perform that? without having a physical relationship with animals. They have a physical relationship with themselves, goddammit. How do we have yeah, a physical... and how, with us. That's right. How do we not have yeah. a physical relationship with dogs or horses or cats or anything like that? How do we remove the use of tools? I mean, I know all the answer to this. For me, it's complete baloney. It even disturbs me more so. I know I'm leaping around the place a little bit. It even disturbs me more so when I hear people in my industry who feel that they have to constantly make compromise all the time because mm. they're just tired of fighting the narrative all the time. They're just that's constantly fighting. Yeah. But that's the point. And we're hiding away. But that's yeah. the thing. That's that's the reason I think this is a part of these deep conversations is that's the point. People get sick of fighting it and they just give up. Yes. And that's the they issue. Do. And is, that's, I honestly was at that point where I was like, this came out and I was like, okay, I'll take my shingle down. Like I've had a gutful. I've had a gutful and I don't deserve to be made to feel like a piece of shit because I've prepared my dogs and hundreds of other dogs appropriately for the work that they're doing. Like you're saying, Pat, with that kid that left the house, I've had over the years, Sunny's, like I said, 11 years, I've had countless children come to me who haven't left their house in three months. They don't go to school. They don't go anywhere. They've built a fort in their bedroom and they're not leaving it. You know, the only place they go is to see Sunny. Mm. That's the only place they go. Multiple, multiple children that refuse to do anything or go anywhere except come and see me. That's the only thing that they'll do. And then my job is to gradually make that little person's world bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they go back to school or they do some kind of, you know, replacement schooling or something like that and they do, you know, now let's do this and now let's do that. And their world, and I'm like, I've got clients that I've seen, like I saw a kid yesterday that I was seeing him before I started my own business. So, you know, more than nine years ago and he came in and checked in with me yesterday. So like, I've known that kid for 11 years and he's like, how's Sonny? And I'm like, yeah, he's at home. He's semi-retired, you know, like he's at home. These dogs have got a lasting impact on these kids' lives. And I'm sorry, controversial a therapy dog is a working dog yeah if you don't agree with working dogs then we fundamentally disagree on that and so we're not the right people to have a conversation about the rules that should exist for working dogs a therapy dog is a working dog it's not an airy fairy bullshit nothing they are working and there are times when i have to look i did it half an hour ago when you know the last client that left here before i logged in with you guys 
kid laid on the dog and I'm like, good boy. And the dog's looking at me and I knew he was fine, but I supported him anyway. And, you know, like I'm like making sure I'm checking in with this dog and then I'm redirecting the kid. There are times when I have to look at my dogs and go, I see you. And their dogs will maintain eye contact with you. And I'll go, yep, I can see you. I'm cool. We're here. I'm going to redirect this kid like everything's cool. And I feel like that's the key to, you know, there will be times when there's pressure put on the dogs. Kids do things like jump and grab them. They jump out of nowhere and jump on the dogs and grab them by the collars. They, if the dog's walking away from them and they want the dog with them, they try and grab them anywhere on the body. They will like tackle the dogs anywhere on the body. If anyone's listening thinking, why don't you just have rules that they don't do that? We do have rules. We do have rules about how to interact with the dogs. These are not kids that follow and rules. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want I just want those people to have a think about, do you have house rules? Do you have kids? And do you have house rules? And how's that going? Yeah. How is that going? And then mental illness <laughs> on top of that affords a lot of unpredictability on top. I think you hit the nail on yeah. the head talking about working dogs. I'm in the process mm. of trying to write an essay on this. I haven't done that in a long time. I'm trying to start writing again. I, like, mm-hmm. I think that we in modern Western culture – we're breaking the deal that we made with dogs thousands of years ago. And I think that Mm. the deal was, you know, this was never formal. It's not like anybody wrote this down, but the dogs would do things for us that we can't do. They do dog specific things. And in return, we'd keep Mm. them safe and we'd give them love and affection. Right. And I think that they like that. Exactly. And it's been a fucking Mm. good deal for millennia, right? Dogs have helped us hunt. They've helped us keep, people safe. They've helped people through as we've evolved, as societies evolved, we've evolved the work that they do. They guide blind people around. They fucking tell diabetic people when they're about to have seizures. They find explosives put in places like the dogs do things that we cannot do. And in return, we were meant to guide them through an evolving world that they can't understand. And, And it's our role is to help them understand that and to communicate with them about what it is and what is not safe for them and appropriate for them. Yeah. And they're keeping up their end of the bargain and still offering themselves to do this work. And we as a society are no longer keeping up our end of the bargain by keeping them safe. And we're doing Mm. that by saying that we're just loving them. You can love someone into fucking death pretty easily, right? Like that's the That's how you need a tractor to get you out of your house. Yeah, well, that's the overbearing (laughs) mother, you know, like all these things through time. Like that's the loving people into oblivion is a real issue. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of dogs. We've forgotten who they are. As I say, I just feel very strongly lately that we are not keeping up a big part of our end of the deal with these dogs. I just want to insert there in context of the conversation that we're having, because I've been thinking on this quite a little bit lately, just while I've been watching people backflipping and their own social media posts, I feel, let's just talk about the dog scape here, forget everything else. I feel that we just have far too many definitions on what abuse is. And that's really what we Mm. really need to build a narrative around. Like, what is it that is bothering you so much? And what is the definition of of abuse? Mm. Because there are so many characteristics of what abuse is that people get so carried away. And then it starts to relay into every other conversation that we're having. And that's what people are hearing. They can't really get this mental image of abuse out of their head. When we talk about training to another camp, that's abuse straight away because somebody has told them that's abuse. That's the problem with all these definitions. There's so many definitions of what abuse is. They just can't let it go. They just 
hang on it, and every time there's a conversation of, oh, yeah, I use this tool on my dog, the other group now automatically are in flames because to them that is an education on what they consider abuse. I think we really need to get to a valid point collectively of truly what abuse is and who the actual really animal abusers are out there and agree let's stop them rather than constantly lobbing missiles backwards and forth at each other. Especially when, like, largely, I actually think that we would agree, like both camps would agree on most stuff. Like I think there's a lot of agreeing that would happen once we actually said like you're saying, like, what, what do you guys mean though? Mm. Like, what do you, what does that mean to you? Because this is what it means to me. And we come up with these examples. I think, I think I know I get triggered. So sometimes like I feel challenged all the time when I see this like real ranty R plus stuff and I take it personally and I'm trying to address that for myself. Cause I'm like, no one's fucking talking to you, Sam, like just whatever, like don't worry about it. And I have to unpack as well for me, like, why are you feeling challenged? Like, are you not happy with what you do? Like, what's your problem? And then I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. My dogs are living proof of that I'm actually so fine with what I'm happy with them. And I've got three perfect dogs. I know no dogs are perfect, but in my eyes with these dogs and the way we live and, you know, what they can do and all that sort of stuff, I'm like, yeah, these dogs are sick. So I know that I'm fine, but I'm being triggered all the time and to feeling challenged because I feel like I have to defend myself all the time. And I think that's why a lot of trainers are just backing out. We just back out of the conversation. We're too scared to say anything, which if you think about it, is super ironic that the balanced trainers are scared of these R plus trainers who are all like, don't use any force. Like you should be so ethical and blah, blah, blah. And all us like dog abusers are like scared that they're going to be mad at us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sam. So we spoke about your organization, how professional it is. We spoke about the incredible work that not just you, but hundreds of other therapists are doing through animal assisted therapy. What's the next step for you? What happens from here? Well, this podcast is the end of my career. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So. I'm really hopeful that, so we're not, we're not regulated, but this Yeah, so you're not mandated to stop doing the things that you do, right? It's just, this is just the good ideas fairy hit from an organization and they don't actually have any power over you, right? Yeah. So it's ostracism. Just ostracism. That's the issue. Right. It's the ostracism. So we were asked to sign in support of this, which I haven't done. And I've sent my reply away about why I have not done that because I think it's dangerous advice. The rest of the document, I'm like, whatever, like whatever about it. Like, yes, we all love dogs. Like the whole thing is like, yeah, we love dogs. Great. There's just this part in here that's ludicrous. And so, no, that's dangerous. But what will happen? So to be one of listed on the website, and you'll have to agree to the training statement. So then you're off. You'll be off for the website, which means we'll be out of things like the committees, conferences, even though because we all volunteered to be a part of this organisation out of the goodness of the future of the industry coming together, anyone who stands up and says we're not signing this is going to be, I imagine, that's why it was sent around, is going to be like, okay, well, we we have said that our training, the people that we recommend as our training places that are affiliated with us, because we buy a membership, like I've got two memberships with this place, they will be shunned. So I think it's a very important time it's a back-end way. So what some trainers are doing, changing their terminology, um, changing the words that they're using. 
I don't want to do that. If you're listening, please don't do that. I understand that we need to do that a little bit here and there, but please don't hide because the more that we hide, the more that we lose our voice. Yeah. So that's that's we need to speak up. Yeah. Don't deny that you train a particular way. Don't don't hide the fact that you train. I agree. That I think is one of the most important messages to the entire industry. It's one of the things that drives me crazy. It's why in certain dog sport organizations, they won't let you from the car park to the edge of the field. You can't use tools or anything like that because they want to pretend like you never use them in training along the way. So in PSA, it's like, no, you take it off at the edge of the field. The test is being done. You take it off wherever you want, but you're required to Mm. take it off when the test begins. And I think that's one of the Mm. important things is that we do that to show like, no, I'm not pretending how I got to this point, right? I'm not pretending that my dog was born magically like this. A fucking ton of training of a balanced method went into getting us to this point. And I'm not pretending that that went any other way. Just a thought that I had on this a while ago when I felt that Pat and I were really trying to pave the way between the balanced community and the whatever you want to call yourself community. I felt like at times where I was sitting in bed at night thinking about it, I felt like I'd been led into a minefield where the other side knew where the mines were and I didn't. Yeah. It, mm. di- it just didn't sit well with me. Like I really felt like I got fucked in that deal. Well, we did. We literally did. We spent yep. a long time making friends and mending bridges only to have people come on our fucking show and lie directly to our face. We've seen them. We've seen them since. When but to their each lives other fall, as well. Yeah, but we, we see that like their businesses and lives fall apart and the truth starts to come out about how they were fucking lying to or their, their clients, their customers, to us, to everybody. And so then it's like, okay, oh, well, we were the only ones with anything to lose. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. We'll just keep trying to make friends while we're the only ones (laughs) that have anything to lose. I've just seen evidence of it, especially the loss of prong collars in in Queensland. That really shone Mm. a light on a lot of people for me because there was a lot of silence over that. And I kind of thought to myself, I just know who you people are now. Like I can just see the monster that resides in you that once you got your way, you could see this kind of contempt and the smirk on their face, like "aha, you you guys have lost." You've just you'll just have to find a tool that works for you to solve the problem. You'll you know, just have to increase your skill set. Is one of to, my favorite one for people whose dogs drag them down the street. Yep. <laughs> Come on. I like it's so frustrating. You know how you're talking about people. I don't know if it's your most recent podcast or not. Are accidentally teaching their dogs to bite. What was that? I don't know. People do that every day. <laughs> I was doing a temperament assessment on this dog and always like pick up its feet, mouths me. I'm like, okay, so mouthing is a no. It's like instant no because a child will go, the dog's biting me. Mm-hmm. And that's because technically the dog is biting them and it's just problematic and it upsets people and all that sort of stuff, right? So I'm like, has someone been wrestling with this dog with its feet? And she's like, oh, yeah. So then I'm like, you know, do the rest of the touch of the dog. And I'm like scratching. You know how they love that spot on top of their tail? Like get a mm-hmm. scratcher. Scratch there. This dog's like now like really mouthing me. And I'm like, what is that? Like what's going on here? Because she goes, oh, I redirect like onto this toy. So, and then I'm like scratching it. And then it, I'm like just waiting to see what it's doing. Like what is this about, you know, with this dog? And it's like I've replicated it now multiple times because I'm like, oh, is it a bit sore? And then I felt for, you know, heat or, you know, I looked at the dog. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know what the go is. So it grabs me and then starts to clamp 
but starts to clamp harder on my hand and I'm, and then it takes my hand away <laughs> with it. And I was like, that is not normal mouthing. Like what is happening? She pulls out the toy. So she's, this toy, dog sees this toy, goes stupid. Like this is a really drivey toy, toy, drive, drive dog that I, like she hadn't had the toy out. So she brings this toy. This dog is losing its mind over the toy. And I was like, this is like that, what you guys were talking about the other day, where she's accidentally, she thinks she's redirecting the dog. Yeah, she's, she's accidentally what? Yeah, what's happened is she's told, adult kids, she's told, because I tell them, don't wrestle with the dogs. It teaches them to mouth. Don't wrestle with the dogs. Always have a toy between you and the dog. Or somewhere along the line, she's heard, wrestle with the dog if it starts mouthing you. Redirected. Redirected onto the toy. This dog, and I was like, this first time I've ever had that happen where it was like, it was like, hey, I'm doing the thing. And then I ignored it just to see what it was going to, and it was like, hey, yeah. I'm doing the thing. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so the lady, I'm like, okay, so accidentally we've taught this dog to, to bite. I'm pretty sure that's how you, because I don't treat, I don't train by dogs. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's how you actually teach them to bite, like, is to really like sort of rev them up and like reward them <laughs> for it. So, <laughs> and then I walked away and I was like, so obviously, you have failed today. Like <laughs> that's sad, but your dog's actually beating you really hard. So, how do you fix that without then like using some kind of pressure on the dog? Like I was just trying to uh, for just my for fun in my own head. I was like, if I was a positive only food only trainer, how would I fix that? Because the dog, the behavior's there, and I feel like that behavior could be something. Because I got to make sure that that behavior i can now touch those that dog all over in that way like 50 times and not have it mouth because it's there so like if we were all banned well the answer is differential reinforcement and so that's the issue so you'd have to go to food you couldn't use a gameplay and it would be especially depending if that in behavior is really deeply ingrained that's going to be a long time Mm. of touch the dog's feet click give it food and you're still going to have the same arousal response in fact you're probably in order for that training to be successful you probably have to actually bring that dog to a higher state of arousal in order for the dog to make the choice of go okay that foot touch or what formerly triggered mouthing which led to toy play now triggers a marker which leads to a disengagement and food from the handler and so the number of repetitions that it would take to do that and the level of arousal that will be required for the dog to be in that will now bring the dog into would probably be not helpful to what you're trying to create there so yeah like Mm -hmm. there's there's paths to doing many many things training dogs to do There's many ways you can do that with really intricate and fancy use of positive reinforcement. There's lots of tricks and we use these tricks. We use them all the time in order Mm. to get to have dogs understand really complex behaviors or when you're in a situation, especially where you do have to be hands off or if you're dealing with really fucking dangerous dogs that will kill you first chance they get, you get pretty clever about use of positive reinforcement with those kind of dogs. Mm. But there's certain things that if the dog is like, so that circumstance, perhaps that could be fixed, nothing but positive reinforcement. If that were the, you know, if I'm interpreting correctly, but it would be a very long mm-hmm. path to doing it. And you're going to end up with rather than an inhibition to mouthing, you're going to have it be still on the cards. It's still always going to be in that dog's Rolodex of things that it could do. And what it's going to do is when it has its foot touch, imagine you're successful in the training of differential reinforcement of another behavior. Mm. What will end up happening is that the dog gets its foot touch and it will immediately look to the handler for the reinforcement that will come of it, right? 
And then when that doesn't come, it's going to go back to what it used to do. <laughs> so, like, well, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Is the reemergence of the behavior because they like it. They like it. Yeah. They actually you, like the original behavior yeah. and they think, well, if I can go back to this, it actually feels good to do this. Like you were trying to distract me away from it before yeah. with all this elaborate tasking. But, you and know, with like, enough like, reps, you'll do that. Yeah, you will. Yeah. But if the dog finds that I like it and it only needs to do it one time and think, oh, I do like this and yeah. I remember the behavior, yeah. the, the dog will just jump back to the behavior again. Yeah. And that's the real threat that you have to all of that work. And you're not just reset, you're strengthened. That's the thing, the biggest thing that people don't understand about that is every time, like say for example, to put this into bite work terms, just the other day I was teaching a dog to only target the left leg. You only bite my left leg. You only bite my left leg. And I had him on a bungee and the bungee snapped and the dog got me on the right leg. Right now, no big deal. Everybody's like, oh no. I'm like, it's just a setback, but it doesn't put us back to zero. It puts us back significantly. So like, yep. it's not the end of the world. It's we're still mm. going to fix the issue. But if the, fi- if the issue is going to be fixed in 10 sessions, maybe now it's going to be fixed in 15 or 20 sessions. We're still going to get there, but mm. it doesn't just restart for us. What it does is it actually like, puts us, yeah, it, it puts a significant, the negative mm. because that's how dopamine works, right? Like that's how brain mm. ca- like, so that's the system. That's how we reset it. So that's the, the issue of all these sorts of training is like, yeah, there's tons you can achieve, but the skill set required, like if you're, this is why I'm so enamored by Sarah Bruski. It's it's the same person I always bring up, but she has the skill set to pull it off, right? Like, and if you want to be nothing but positive reinforcement based in your training, there's a lot you can achieve. And it's far more than what most people think it is, but you have to be fucking Mm. good. And you make one mistake at the wrong time and it all goes out the window. You're going to strengthen the shit out of the the wrong behavior that you you did Mm. not want. In fact, the very behavior you're trying to get rid of, the closer it gets to being gone, when you have something go wrong in your session, a moment of of negligence from yourself, an equipment failure, just any of the, the many invariable things, the closer you you are to fixing that issue when you get a recurrence of it, the further set the setback. And I also, to add to that, I really believe that you'd need to have a dark relationship with negative punishment. Oh, well, for sure. And mm. I mean, and to circle back around, it's one of the things you were saying earlier, like that's one of the reasons why I am a balanced trainer. Mm. I'm the balanced trainer, not for lack of understanding the use of positive reinforcement and the, the subsets that come of that, like negative punishment. I'm a balanced trainer because I think that it's the right way to go because sometimes, and I yeah. use negative punishment, but, but that's some it's, brutal it's shit. Sinister. It's too much, yeah. especially for my high drive dog. We're yep. Taking mm. him out or, or saying like a period of isolation to my dog is the most devastating thing you can imagine. What he wants is to be helped to get it right and then he gets to continue on. Well, right? look at Sigurli's yeah. test on how much cortisol it produced. Exactly. On, on- oh, we've been at this for two hours. Yeah, we've got we to wrap it we gotta up. Go. I've got to go train some real dogs, <laughs> some actual in, like, in real life dogs. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, Sam, I, I appreciate you coming on. And I feel, as I said, I wanted to get you on because I feel so strongly about the work that you do. I think that it's so important because I've been an informal recipient of that work. I truly believe that a dog saved my life. And I think that mm. most people, well, literally and figuratively, right? Like I've worked with bomb yeah. dogs that have found explosives that I would have otherwise stepped on. And I've had like emotionally and mentally been supported by dogs throughout my entire life. And I think that most people in our industry and our space have in There's one way or another. looking at each other yeah. across the room who are recipients of, exactly. of being spared by the love of, and the companionship of a dog. So keep on keeping on. Mm. But if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I want to do that and I am presently a psychologist or whatever and I want to get into animal-assisted therapies. How do they get in touch with you? What's the process? Give us a plug all your stuff. Just jump on therapydog.com.au. Therapydog.com.au. Um, but if you Google 
if you yeah yeah if you google therapy dogs australia you'll find us the dog trainers out there can you please back me up Uh, (laughs) (laughs) don't leave me out here guys okay don't leave me hanging I know that's hard and not everybody is going to be out. And I seriously, seriously questioned whether or not I was going to uh, reply to this statement. And I was going to, I considered all the options. I considered getting out of the business. I considered lying about what I do. <laughs> that didn't sit with me. And then I had to serious, I had to think about it properly and seriously consider, am I in a point in my life where I feel like I can handle the backlash that may come? And that's a good point because some people will see you as being a fringe therapist because you've spoken out against the status quo and good on you for doing it. I'm proud of you for doing it. We don't know each other very well. We've seen each other less than a handful of times, but I'm proud of you for doing it because it takes a real leap of faith and a lot of courage to be able to step out of the shadows to talk about this. Because it's not a popular subject. Well, it's far less popular than when I first got in. When I first got in, people really Mm. didn't, people didn't care. But because they didn't care, that's where, going back to my point before, when we start talking about abuse, there's some cruel-hearted, abusive motherfuckers that are out there that deserve to be sealed in a pine box and put seven foot underground. They really are horrible and tormented people that they don't see any other way. That's not us. That's not who we are and that's not who we should be tarred with that same brush. We're not those people. We're good people. We all love our dogs and I'm sick of fucking saying it. I really am sick of fucking saying it. Yeah. I'm sick of playing this pretend there's no balanced community and then there's no force-free community that we're all dog trainers. That bullshit doesn't fly either because the other side are always using this wrap-up. We're science-based trainers. We do this. We do that. I know at some stage we're going to have to develop some better language. Pat and I have been fighting for it forever. We really want the community to come together and be more entwined in really getting into the sciences, not the pseudosciences, all this absolute rubbish narrative Mm -hmm. that keeps circulating its way around. It really is driving good people out of the industry. And while those sinister, nefarious assholes are sitting there rubbing their hands together thinking that's a victory, it's not. It's a fucking crime. We lose good people, good people who've made differences, good people who go on to shape minds and hearts and souls in ways that really transform dogs' capability to be able to finally find a voice with the people that they're sharing their lives with. I, for one, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people like you who are brave enough to step out and say things that people will go, oh, well, tut, tut. No, tut, tut. Have a think Mm. about it. You're doing great stuff, like you're changing people's lives. Kids are talking to you and talking up. And yes, they're going to do silly things in therapy. And yes, you should be able to be able to make sure that that has been resolved prior to the dog entering the room. Support people who are doing the right thing. And as Pat has been a very big advocate on in all his life is look deeply into things. Mm. Stop making uninformed, shitty points about how you feel about things. Look deeply into it. Do the research before you open your big yappy mouth. Go and actually have a look at it. Like I've been guilty of this in the past where I've shot before I've even asked the questions. Now I'm Mm. trying to ask questions. I'm trying not to say anything. I'm trying to look and I'm trying to look at all of the angles first and then sort of piecing it all together before I make an informed choice about what I'm going to say next. And I really implore and I hope that people are showing some credibility and some intelligence to doing that rant over. Thank you. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) I think it's good and I think it's if you can't do it, I get it. If you're not in a place in your life where you've got enough going on that you just can't deal with this right now, I understand that. But if you are in a place where you can deal with it, let's start talking a little bit more about 
this stuff and let's do some social media or something, you know, show us the dogs that have you've got that you've trained with balanced methods and how happy they are and what lives they're living or whatever, because we are getting this constant barrage. It's bullying. Like we're being bullied online. We're being bullied and ostracized and really spoken down to and made to feel like we have to hide about stuff. When I think most of us, we know, I know that I'm all right. Like I know that the way that I've trained my dogs is okay. Like I'm fine. Like the dogs are great. So one thing I'm doing is checking in with myself and go like this person that's got something to say about, you know, balanced methods or whatever, or it should be force free. Do they really give a shit about my dogs? Cause I've invited multiple of them to come and meet the dogs. Like if you've got a concern about these dogs, come and meet them. You can drop in anytime. Don't tell me you're coming. Our clinic is here, you know, like it's public. Yep. Come and see the dogs. Not one person gives a flying fuck about the dogs, Mm. mate. Like there's just some bullying that's going on about ideologies and imperfect definitions that we got going on. And that's all that shit is going to take a really long time to fix. It takes a long time on the research level of stuff. It takes a long time to fix that stuff. So, you know, if you guys are in a place where you can um, back us up, that'd be really cool. So (laughs) I'm going to be a bit lonely for a bit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be right. You did the right thing. You'll sleep easy. All right, I'm going to do the wrap-up. Yep. That's guys. it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, just like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Then just go to one you don't even download us from. They don't check. They no one checks. Did you know that, Glenn? I do. No one checks. I do. The reviews. Yeah, yeah you check the reviews, I but no one reviews. checks that you actually listen to the show. You can write anything you want. Yeah. As evidenced by some of our reviews. Oh, yes. Yeah, some of the crazies <laughs> in the past. The good yeah. and the bad. <laughs> if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is jump into Patreon. A few bucks a month gets you access to a giant backlog of information as well as new stuff going forward. What a forward. great time to come into Patreon. Oh, mate. There's so much stuff. Three bucks. You could get you literally, get, you get five years worth of info. You could literally do it all. Yeah. Yep. Or you get 10 bucks, you get live stream. Yep. Or you could buy me <laughs> a Lamborghini. You still want a Lambo. <laughs> I thought you and I agreed that we we're going to get Bentleys. Yeah, no, Lambo make a like four drive thing, so you can put crates in it. Now. Well, I've got a sad story to tell you. We're both long away from <laughs> yeah, any yeah, of that. Don't get that. I don't want it. Yeah. All right, I'm carrying on. Uh, t-shirts. <laughs> yep. Get a t-shirt. Get yes, in the spring. Get one. You can get a shirt. Yeah, that's all you can do. Give us money and so Patreon. So many people. So stuff. many people. Okay, if you're not listening to this, so many people keep coming onto Instagram and saying to me. Oh, where do we get merch from? Like, do you guys sell merch? Yes, we spring. do. Spring. It's yeah. on spring. Yeah. It's on spring. You go go to the spring website, spring.com, I think it is. Yeah. And then you type in up the top the canine paradigm and yeah. boom, up comes our But there's merch links site. to all this in the show notes, there right? Is. Yeah, there so- is links in the show notes. It's all over the place. There's great artwork yeah. from Zoe, from Avery, from yeah. Jane. Just get your phone, yeah. open it, say, I want to see ads for the canine. Oh, we don't advertise. Well, just say it out loud <laughs> yeah. in your phone. It'll yeah, come up. Yeah. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, best way to do that is jump in the Facebook discussion group. Make sure that you're on our mailing list that we've never used. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, shoot us an email. We are info at canineparadigm.com. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs>